0: are biased, the Idaho Press Club are biased, all media, newspaper, radio. To be completely blunt here, Brian, and there are plans to expand indoctrination. That's right. Idahoans are also concerned. Horror shot. That line would be moving a little bit farther west. I'm like crying. Nobody wants to see. Dark money is influencing policy in our state. Well, that's not how this works. Well, hello there and welcome to Nowhere to Hide. This is a program which airs twice a week and is intended to help you propaganda-proof yourself. Not an easy task in a, an age where everything is politicized and media, particularly corporate media, is there not so much to tell you the truth but to manage a particular narrative. You're going to see uh, very clearly how that works today as we break a couple of fairly big stories that, uh, that have finally come on the scene. Our, our theme today is uh, the functionaries are restless. And perhaps with good reason, because it looks like the walls are closing in on on a few of them. We're going to go back a few years, actually uh, earlier this year, to uh, a report that was issued first, I guess, in the Idaho Tribune. Kindergate, Idaho Department of Health and Welfare, caught misappropriating $30 million in tax money. Insiders say the scandal may lead back to the governor's office. Now, we haven't heard a lot about that since early this year, specifically about March of this year. Well, just in the last few days, a 55-page report has been released, which indicates the Idaho Department of Health and Welfare, in fact, may have, in fact, very likely broke the law in the way that it was distributing grants and appropriating that money. And now the story is out there for people to see. And and the, the interesting thing, this is where it ties into media coverage. Wait until you see how the media reports on this and the way that they always give the benefit of the doubt to the powers that be because, well, Again, there's a narrative to be managed and not so much truth to be pursued. For truth, you're going to have to go to more independent sources. For instance, Anna Miller with the Idaho Freedom Foundation. She has a wonderful report here about an independent audit finds state agency defied Idaho law to distribute public funds to woke pre-K and child care providers. This are starting to ring some bells. Have we heard about this before? Here's what Anna has to say. Anna tells us an independent audit found that the Idaho Department of Health and Welfare defied Idaho law in, making, in the grant-making process. Public records further demonstrate that high-ranking administrators deliberately designed the grant process to serve children ages birth to five. Thanks to the efforts of Senator uh, Glenita Zwiederveld, the Idaho Freedom Foundation Center for American Education broke the story sparking this investigation earlier this year. And By the way, she is a wonderful legislator. Uh, Senator Zuderveld. just just have to say she's done a marvelous job here. All right, having a little bit of trouble getting uh, getting the next slide to to come up uh, on the stream here. But uh, the bottom line is, I may have to read this one off my my backup prompter here. But the bottom line is that Senator Zuderveld and others brought forth this investigation in order to show that that the Idaho legislature banned the distribution of grants under the Community Partner Grant Program, meaning entities serving children younger than five were not included in the grant. Here we go. According to a new 55-page report, the Department of Health and Welfare disliked this prohibition, and they subverted the law through their grant process. Now, the DHW funneled money to pre-K and child care providers, such as the Idaho Association for the Education of Young Children and its partners, against the law, and they actually gave out more money than was actually appropriated. So, you know, bouncing a few checks, well, as you know, the taxpayers are picking it up. It's not that big of a deal, apparently. Child care and pre-K grants have been hotly contested in the Idaho legislature for years. In 2021, the legislature narrowly rejected a $6 million federal grant to the IAEYC because the group promotes the sexualization of children as well as critical race theory. Now the investigation of the community partner grant program is the latest subject in the debate. Anna Miller goes on to report, the report by Legislative Services Office or LSO found extensive evidence that DHW, the Department of Health and Welfare, violated state law by distributing funds to pre-K and child care providers, and those fraudulent payments exceeded appropriations by about half a bill, half a million dollars. Rather, the LSO reviewed the community part grant partner grant program as part of an accountability report for the Department of Health and Welfare for the period between May 10th of 2021 and March 31st of 2023. LSO found evidence that DHW allowed grant recipients to use public funds for ineligible purposes and for ineligible age groups that did not meet the purpose specifically defined in Idaho law. And I know politicians may say, oh, it's just a matter of semantics. And and in fact, uh, you're going to see Governor Governor Little is, is among those saying exactly that. LSO concluded these findings are serious enough to report to the Idaho Attorney General pursuant to Idaho code, meaning... They carry potential felony charges because we're dealing with more than $10,000 here in misappropriation of funds. So there there are numerous felonies that, that could be laid at the feet of the Idaho Department of Health and Welfare. Now, Anna's article goes on to list eight findings which include unlawfully distributing multiple grants to the same entity, not complying with the age requirements for the program, failure to review applications properly to prevent expending funds on ineligible expenses, and payments that exceeded the amount appropriated to the program by $427,350. That may seem like chump change when you're talking government, but that is still a pretty good chunk of change. So the bottom line here is It was bad enough that it needed to be reported to the attorney general, meaning it could warrant criminal charges. Now, of course, the attorney general, as you're going to see in a a report that we'll show you here in a minute from the Idaho Capital Sun, or actually, excuse me, Idaho Press, is saying, well, you know, he may have had a conflict of interest here. Well, this is why there was an independent uh, investigation that was taking place in the first place. The legislature, Anna, Anna Miller says, the legislature and attorney general should hold the Department of Health and Welfare accountable for this illegal use of public funds. According to Idaho Code, any office, public officer or public employee who misuses public monies in violation of Section 18-5701, Idaho Code, is guilty of a felony punishable by a fine not exceeding $10,000 or by imprisonment in the state prison for not less than one year nor more than 14 years or by both spending authority for the grant program should be immediately rescinded and leadership in the department of health and welfare must be held accountable to the fullest extent of the law. Ooh. Yeah. Now I know the, the, the prevailing mentality is, well, now, if government does it, they can't be wrong. Bureaucrats can't be wrong. They might be misunderstood or there may be some kind of, you know, vagary in the language that uh, would allow for this. But, I want you to see how how the uh, statesman reports on this because, um, you know, serious enough to go to the attorney general now, possible felony charges for those who are involved. Look how the statesman reports on this, though. Health and Welfare Dir- Director Dave Jeppesen rejected the, uh, all of the audit's findings with a wave of his hand, a dismissal. <sighs> Get this out of here. The Idaho statesman says Idaho Health Agency broke state law in handling of child care grants. Audit says... Health and Welfare Director Dave Jepsen rejected all of the audit's findings. So apparently maybe he's a law unto himself? He he can make those kind of decisions? I don't think so. Sorry, Dave, but, uh, you know, if, if there was misuse of these funds, you should be held accountable. And if necessary, you should, you know, do the right thing. Maybe that starts with resigning. But let's not pretend that this is all just a matter of semantics. And, well, we had permission, and, you know, everybody signed off, and so it must be okay there's a lot of scapegoating going on right now. Wouldn't be surprised to see a few uh, rats trying to flee the sinking ship, but whoops, those who uh, who owe a big I told you so to the ones who doubted, you know, this is your moment. You can step up and do that. Now, here is how the uh, Idaho press reported on it. Idaho Attorney General and Health Department evaluate next steps after audit. Those next steps possibly being criminal charges. Now, Laura Guido, in reporting on this, uh, uh, says... Officials in Idaho had varied responses to the audit report released Monday that found several deficiencies, potentially criminal deficiencies, I wonder why she didn't say that, in an embattled health department grant program. The 55-page report released Monday afternoon listed eight findings against Idaho Health and Welfare's distribution of the Community Partners grant, which was funded by federal money. It says here the health department disputed all of the findings. Well, of course they would. Deny, 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 make counter accusations, right? While we disagree with the many factual, uh, while we agree, rather, with the many factual observations in the report that recognize the diligence and thoroughness of the department's process, the department respectfully disagrees with all of the report's findings. Director Dave Jeppesen wrote in a statement, All along, we have welcomed independent, unbiased review of the department's administration of the community partner grants. We will meet any review, audit, or investigation with cooperation because we stand by our work. I guess we will uh, we will see if that is the case. Now the article goes on to say the audit report done by the legislative services office at the direction of the state's budget writing committee found the deficiency serious enough to be warrant to warrant rather referral to the attorney general's office. Why? Because again they potentially have entered criminal territory. Attorney General Raul Labrador has already been embroiled in legal battles around an effort to gather information about the program to investigate alleged mishandling of the funds. Isn't that pretty much borne out here by the report? Which the state required to be used only for programs for school-aged children 5 to 13. The concerns stem from the fact that some of the funds went to pre-kindergarten programs. Yes, especially programs that were focused on sexualizing children. In one recent decision, an Ada County district judge ruled that Labrador has a conflict of interest and cannot continue to pursue civil investigative demands, which are a kind of administrative subpoena in his investigation of the department. That's according to the Idaho Capital Sun. The judge ruled that to to continue pursuing the information, the office would need to appoint an independent special prosecutor. All righty then. Labrador in an emailed statement said of the report, the legislative services report confirms that there were violations of Idaho law. The report records numerous serious violations and we welcome their referral under Idaho code section 67-7201 section E. We're now evaluating our next steps under both civil and criminal law. So, you know, Director Jefferson may wave his. well. That's really not important. I dismiss these. I, I don't I don't accept these as, as re- I reject your reality and will maintain my own. That may not be enough to uh, keep you out of hot water, sir. Now, shifting gears, let's talk a little bit about uh, some school board intrigue. Ah, Jim Jones, we can always count on him to warn us about the extremists hiding beneath every rock and behind every bush. Well, he says, be warned, Idaho, extremists want reins of power on your school board. He's got some pretty interesting stuff to observe here. Let's, let's take a peek into Jim's mind and, and see where he is today. The Idaho Freedom Foundation may be coming to your school district to carry out its publicly proclaimed goal of getting the government out of the business of educating our kids. Huh. He says that like it's a bad thing. And by the way, government will not educate your kids, but it will certainly school your kids. And there is a world of difference between those two concepts. Nevertheless, Jim Jones says, witness the disintegration of the West Bonner County School District in Priest River at the hands of an extremist controlled school board. Oh, he loves that word. Keith Rutledge and Susan Brown were elected to the school board in 2021 with IFF's support. Now, was it only IFF members that supported? Was it the community in general? Because, you know, the, it's not like IFF has this mind-meld control over, you know, the voters there in in Bonner County. Along with the third IFF-supported trustee, they have the the West Bonner County School District in turmoil ever since. Or so we're supposed to believe. This Whatever turmoil is going on, this is all their fault. They refused to support a school levy in May that was intended to cover about a third of the district's operating budget. They didn't want to borrow more money. They didn't want to put the residents there in greater debt. I'm sorry, but there comes a point where somebody has to be the responsible adult, Jim, and say, we can't do that. It would be nice. It would be desirable. But sometimes the the practical, do I dare say it, the pragmatic and reasonable thing to do is to say no. That's a word that uh, politicians don't like to hear. Well, that put the district in a real financial bind. No, they were in a financial bind to start with. This just didn't further their financial bind by kicking the can down the road and indebting everybody in the county and putting them on the hook to to pay the bills. The trio then voted in June to hire what Jim calls an unqualified individual. This is where you're going to see credentialism looming large in Jim's mind. IFF employee, by the way, Brandon Durst is not, An IFF employee. He did work for the Idaho Freedom Foundation some time ago. He is not an IFF employee. This is deception on the part of Jim Jones, and it needs to be called out as such as the district superintendent. For inexplicable reasons to Jim, they have failed to pursue an emergency certification that might allow Durst to legally act as superintendent until he can become qualified for the position. Okay. It's not like he's just in the blind and has no clue what to do and only someone who holds the sacred parchment issued by the state could possibly understand. This is the danger of bureaucracy. And this is why I say the the functionaries are getting restless. Functionaries, they are all about, well, you have to be vetted by the bureaucracy. You have to be a trusted part of the bureaucracy. You have to have uh, proper ideological purity within the bureaucracy before you can actually be considered qualified. No, there were reasons that uh, Brandon Durst did not pursue that emergency certification. One of them was there was a disagreement he had with the state school board over how and when that uh, that was supposed to be issued, and I believe part of it had to do with an emergency declaration on the part of the school board. Now, by the way, his his predecessor, um, I forget her first name. I want to say uh, Susan Lucky. Anyway, she uh, she was given an emergency declaration and a provisional certification, even though her credentials were not in order. Jim, where is your outrage for these things? On August 16th, the State Board of Education notified one of the board members, Rutledge, that the board's decision to allow an uncertified individual to serve violates Idaho law. Oh, yes, we're going to hide behind the letter of the law here. I mean, they can make allowances, but it looks like we're going to try to find some legal loophole, some form of minutiae. To, to disqualify someone who doesn't pass the ideological purity test that certain people, Jim Jones included, would like to see them pass. The notice outlined four other board deficiencies. Now, the question in my mind is, okay, Brandon's been in there, he's been working in there since uh, June of this year, so just not even not even two full months. Are we to believe that these problems just suddenly, they, they came up, suddenly they were there just because he showed up and suddenly they, No. He inherited a lot of different problems, actually. In fact, there's a, a, a forensic audit that's taking place right now and so far has discovered about a million dollars in unaccounted funds that uh, really raises some serious question. What was being done there before? Why did, you know, the, the previous superintendent and superintendents, what were some of the problems there? These These all predated Brandon Durst coming on the scene. But, of course, then, then again, you have a very determined, very hard left group of parents and activists within that community who right now are putting together a recall election, trying to get the two members on the board, off the board that they, that uh, voted for and supported uh, Brandon Durst. And in the meantime, they hound him at every turn. You know, there's nothing you do. One punctuation or spelling error. My gosh, look at this. This man is absolutely out of control. He's ruining our kids. But again, it really comes down to that ideological purity. That is the concern. And this is one of the things that, uh, again, uh, Jim Jones is is having a tough time with. Let's go back to his commentary. Jones tells us the the, uh, West Bonner County School District has reportedly lost 33 employees in recent months because of the board's actions. Now, he doesn't give us any context. Some of them, their contracts expired and they pursued opportunities elsewhere. There were probably some who said, well, you know, maybe this isn't the best place for me. You know, if you were particularly an activist, maybe it wasn't going to be as hospitable an environment. Again, I'm failing to see where that's a bad thing. Not to worry though, because and here's here's the smear job. Please try not to get any any of this on you because Durst is hiring right-wing zealots to replace some of them. They include Melissa Riley, who appears to share the bigoted view of her white nationalist husband, Dave Riley. Jim, that is contrived outrage on the on par with Charles Schumer, who is the master of contrived outrage. It's also a load of fertilizer, which I'd like to uh, you know borrow some for my garden next year. She appears to share the bigoted views of her white nationalist husband. How many aspersions can you cast in a single sentence, sir, without having to defend any of them? This is a bogus predicate. It's the unspecified predicate. All of those things are scary words which were supposed to draw some kind of a conclusion. But Jim never really fleshes out how exactly, how does he know she appears to share the bigoted views, bigoted according to whom? If it's the SPLC that's saying they're bigoted, I'm sorry, but uh, those are professional grifters and list makers for hire. Their, their accusations don't carry nearly the weight of an actual rational, pragmatic person who might actually be, you know, a little more objective in their assessment of, wow, that, that sounds really bigoted. And, of course, the white nationalist. Jim, are you bringing race into this? Why? And, and what exactly is a white nationalist for that matter? Someone who loves their country. Would they, would they count as a nationalist? Or is there something more to this? And of course, and he names Brandy Party, a leader with Stop Idaho Rhinos, an organization which, by the way, is doing a marvelous job of calling out people who play like they're Republican, but vote like they're hardcore socialist. Anyway, that was a lot of spin in one sentence to unpack. Jim, I thank you. you have, you've actually uh, put bread on my table this week with, with your uh, uncanny ability to murder the English language. Now, Jim says school board elections are coming up soon in many districts across the state, and it's almost a certainty that the Idaho Freedom Foundation or some like-minded folks will try to get what Jim calls disruptive candidates like Rutledge and Brown elected. By disruptive, again, he means less than ideologically pure candidates. How better to accomplish the goal of deconstructing public education in Idaho? Is that really the goal? Or is the goal to offer people a choice? To actually offer them an educational choice that works for them and isn't one-size-fits-all government-administered indoctrination? Which, as you'll see, really seems to be the end goal for some of the folks that, that are pushing this. Jim says, more than ever, Idahoans will need to check out the credentials of those running to control their local school board so as to ensure that only candidates who are dedicated to making schools and kids successful, in other words, supporting the status quo, are entrusted with these important positions. Some of those Idahoans can help their local schools by becoming candidates themselves. Again, presuming you can pass the ideological purity test. School elections are not the only important elections to be held on November 7th. Cities and some independent districts will be holding elections. And given the desire of organizations like IFF to stack such positions with extreme right candidates, by which he means candidates who understand the proper limitations on government power, as well as the primacy of personal freedom and fiscal responsibility. Jim says it's important that reasonable, pragmatic candidates step forward for those positions. Reasonable and pragmatic being his code words for ideologically pure candidates. Also, conscientious voters must inform themselves to ensure that disruptive individuals like those who seized control of West Bonner County School District, district do not obtain the reins of power. Methinks that he doth protest just a little too much. I mean, the system is not supposed to be such that, uh, boy, if it just falls into one wrong hand, it could turn everybody into a bunch of slaves. The system's supposed to be a little more apolitical, but somehow I don't get the feeling that it is. At least not according to Jim Jones, and certainly not according to uh, uh, the the little uh, communist clack that is working so hard to recall those school board members right now in the West Bonner County School District. And I want you to see this example. This is Idaho Ed News reporting on this, which sometimes they actually do a pretty objective job of reporting. This is not one of those times. Look at the language that they use in this story about uh, the school board telling uh, Superintendent Brandon Durst that he needs to uh, file to get his emergency provisional certificate. Superintendent Brandon Durst compelled by school board trustees to file for an emergency provisional certificate. State board's deadline to fix violations forces West Bonner board into action. They gave Brandon Durst until August 31st to apply for his emergency provisional certificate. Isn't it interesting that they would just dote on that word compelled? That is the mindset that you are up against. These these status quo hardliners, the bathists, if you will, of of the establishment— Compulsion is, that's thats how they work. And we're talking about a compulsory school system. So, I mean, this is this is compulsion on top of compulsion. Isn't that strange they would choose that word for, they compelled him as if that's, that's a good thing. Yeah, it says a lot about the mindset of the people who want to be in power, not just to compel Brandon Durst to do whatever they want him to do, but to compel your children to learn what they deem most important for them to learn, proper attitudes, proper ideals. Which uh, yours, mom and dad, your ideals will take a very distant second in concern to what uh, the compelling types, the functionaries, want to see happen. All right. Just a couple of quick rules of thumb here. When it comes to compulsion, government is the favored tool. And this is why um, everything that gets politicized becomes a power struggle. And, and people who are very politicized in their thinking tend to think in terms of, well, I don't want to just elect somebody because they'll do a good job and they'll represent and 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 exercise, you know, the authority that's in their grasp, you know, even-handedly and effectively. No, it's it's I want favors for my tribe and I want chastisement for your tribe because you and I are not the same. That's the problem. So here are a few rules of thumb to help us conduct ourselves. These are Life Hacks 2023 edition from Dr. Simon Goddick. If government is involved, avoid it. If government supports it, reject it. If government says it's safe, it's not. If government says it's true, it's false. If government endorses it, question it. If government says you need it, you don't. If government owns it, it's probably stolen. If government regulates it, it's stifling freedom. If government funds it, listen to this one, there's a hidden agenda. If government calls it progress, it's likely regression. And if government is the solution, you're asking the wrong question. I think this is a very, very sound advice and something all of us should take to heart. Government should be the last resort because it is the only institution that uses force to get its way. The other institutions of society, including family, church, business, community, academia, media, all rely upon persuasion you know, to the extent that they're not in bed with government. But how many of those institutions I just named are in bed with government? The only one that I know for sure isn't fully, you know, assimilated by the government Borg is family. Even churches have fallen prey to this. They have that uh, sort of Damocles, that uh, 501c3 status, that tax-exempt status hanging over their heads. Now, I want to share one last little treat with you. This is courtesy of Caitlin Johnstone, and it's... uh, In a world ruled by propaganda, a sane worldview will necessarily be a fringe worldview. So if you question the status quo, you're going to be called names. But she says one of the worst mistakes you can make when formulating your understanding of the world is to begin with the assumption that the truest, most accurate position must lie somewhere near the center of the two major political perspectives you see laid out all around you. And she gives a great example of this. So, for example, if someone, you know, somewhere between the extreme of, you know, drinking a gallon of bleach is good for your health versus versus drinking zero bleach is good for your health. The the responsible place to be is not, well, I'll drink a half gallon, you know, split the difference and that's, uh, that's gonna be the sweet spot. Nope. So here is some of Caitlin Johnstone's advice for how to sort fact from fiction. I really think she makes a lot of sense here. She says, people assume there must be truth in the mainstream worldview because so many others are invested in the mainstream worldview. When the only real reason that worldview is mainstream in the first place is because so much wealth and influence has gone into making it mainstream. In reality, the assumption that the truth exists anywhere in either of the two mainstream political viewpoints promoted by the managers of the Western Empire is an example of the bandwagon effect, which describes the cognitive bias in which humans tend to take on beliefs, behaviors, styles, and attitudes solely because that's what the people around them are doing. Now, she goes on to say, because the majority of people have been duped by propaganda into espousing mainstream political perspectives, those with an accurate read on things will necessarily be a small fringe minority until that dynamic changes. As long as your entire civilization is structured around deceit-based perspectives, which serve the powerful, going along with the crowd will prevent you from forming a truth-based perspective that serves human interests. And she really brings it home with one last point here. Caitlin Johnstone says, So you'll have to get comfortable rejecting mainstream orthodoxies, dismissing mainstream media, shunning mainstream politics, because those things are all inseparably interwoven with the matrix of deceit by which our rulers have pulled the blindfold over this civilization. Now, this won't be a sign that you're out of touch or a kooky crackpot or some snobby hipster who rejects all things mainstream out of a pathological need to be different. It will be a sign that you were seeing things clearly. And I share this with you because it's also going to be a sign that when Jim Jones points his finger and calls you an extremist, it's not that uh, suddenly you are an extremist. It's that you've caught on to the deception and you're no longer buying it. And it makes control freaks nervous, as it should. I'm Brian Hyde, and this is Nowhere to Hide are biased the idaho press club are biased all media newspaper radio to be completely blunt here brian and there are plans to expand indoctrination that's right idahoans are also concerned horror shot that line would be moving a little bit farther west i'm like crying nobody wants to see. dark money is influencing policy in our state well that's not how this works